The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D. E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Greg King. The village of Seness was completely silent. There was not a single window with a candle burning, not a door open to visitors in the fading sunlight. For all it looked, the village and its castle had been abandoned. Those aboard the approaching fleet knew better, though the stillness made every one of them nervous. Perhaps it was supposed to look like they'd run, allowed themselves to be driven away to avoid a fight. Laidley wouldn't have believed it for a second. With the reply Ashland had sent his squire home with, he knew she was in wait for him and his men. No matter how she'd prepared, he was confident in thinking she was not prepared enough for what he brought with him. Waves lapped against the ship, the only sound in the darkening night. Merrick was beside Laidley, casting a surveying eye on what lay before them. Mm, it is too cold. They will wait for our feet to be on the shore before they attack. What would you suggest? We have the cannons. That would cause enough chaos for us to reach land. No cannons. They would do damage, yes. But there would be no substance to it. We have no choice but to go ashore now. Drop anchor here and send out the boats. What of the water dragons? Should they attack again and... By now they should only be attacking each other. Still... We will send out a test. From two other ships, four smaller boats were lowered, each holding six men. With three on each side, they rowed toward the beach. It wasn't until they were midway between the ships and the land that there was movement in the water. Something, several something, slid into the black deep with the long, sinuous bodies of snakes. The men stopped rowing momentarily and drew their swords. They searched the dark water, waiting to be attacked. When nothing happened, they resheathed their weapons and picked up their oars once more. And then the sea exploded around them. Several dragons leaped from the depth with sharp talons and hungry jaws. Too quickly taken over to draw swords again, the men beat helplessly at the creatures with their oars. The sound of the paddles against the hard scales of the beasts rang out like a thrush beating a snail shell against a rock. It was a fruitless sound that was too quickly followed by screams of terrified men and the cracking of wood. Those aboard the ships lifted lanterns and torches high to sea, though there was no need. They knew what had happened, and it was only confirmed when pieces of the boat slapped against the ship's hulls. Laylee pointed to the shore. Look! The dragons, nearly incapacitated just hours before, slithered out from the water and climbed up the embankment. How is that possible? You said they would be mad. They should be. It would seem we are not the only ones using powerful magics. Laylee looked at his captain confused. What? Something new moved on the beach and brought Merrick an excuse for not answering. He pointed and said, Your Majesty. What? The young king saw the figure standing out on the white sands, 
alone and seemingly unprotected. Laidley narrowed his eyes. Someone give me a scope. One was passed to him, and he pulled it to its full extension before putting it to his eye. It... it is Luela. He lowered the scope in disbelief. It's... it's my sister. Do not be fooled. She is not alone. Merrick moved from the stern to speak quietly to a small man with dark skin dressed in brown and black. The man nodded sharply before hurrying away. Returning to Laidley, Merrick's lips were pursed. Remember, my king, she turned against you. It would be folly to feel anything but what you feel for your enemies towards her now. Laidley felt pinpricks of guilt in his stomach. Luela, his sister, but also the person he'd always confided in most, stood vulnerable before his army. He had a sudden longing for the days of his childhood when any argument would be forgotten in minutes and they would be close again. How had it come to this? The anchors had been set without a word from Laidley, and all waited now to see what would happen. With just one woman, surely enough of them could make it ashore. Majesty, if I may make a suggestion. But there was no time to speak. Laidley watched in great distraction as fires crawled their way down the beach, following an oily patch and blocking off the village beyond it. There was no foreseeable way for even Luela to escape the flames. With each passing moment, the fires grew hotter and reached higher. He swallowed hard, wondering if she'd been sent as some sort of offering or, if rejected, a sacrifice. She was illuminated, framed in a blaze of light, and had all the attention on her that she sought. She grew in size, face elongating into a maw with sharp teeth, arms extending, and growing talons while wings sprouted from her shoulder blades. She gave a terrible call into the night and used her abilities to turn the red and yellow flames around her to the blue and gold of her fire. There was not a man watching aboard those ships that was not paralyzed. For a moment, no one dared to even breathe. It was Merrick who moved first and sent everyone into action. Fly! A blackness that had no distinct shape or form flew past him from each ship in a hurtling speed toward the dragon on the beach. Luela stood strong, wings fanned out and bracing herself for the impact. She didn't expect the stinging pain that sliced her with every little black thing that flew past her. Luela! Tasserin was darting from his hiding place just up the beach, but Cavalon tackled him down. Let me go! They'll kill you. She's a dragon, and look what they're doing to her. What do you think would happen to you? I do not care. The elf shoved Cavalon away and got to his feet. He would have kept running forward had he not been surprised by what was happening. The black shapes, small as insects and big as bats, flew past Luela in cutting darts and straight into the walls of fire where they were consumed in terrific screams of pain. The fire. Turning his head, he looked at Cavalon with demand. Raise the fire in front of her. Whatever it is that flies at her now cannot withstand it. Looking around, Tasserin called for Sule. His unicorn had seen what was happening and was already thundering across the beach before Cavalon could even think to raise the fire to shield anyone. Luela's strength gave out, and she could no longer hold on to her draconic form. Sule whinnied in anger and pain when the blackness attacked him. 
but fire quickly flared at the front of the beach to protect him. Luela fell onto the curve of Sule's back and managed to pull herself up, clinging to him as he brought her from the beach and into the village. Tasserin was close behind, pausing only at the edge of the Altane Shire. It was there that Wesley waited with the front line of the army. I cannot explain it. The creatures flew right into the fire as if drawn to it, and it killed them. Good. Go after Luela. Make her drink the elixir you made for the dragons. Emmeline will be able to help you. I'll return as quickly as I can. Wesley watched the elf go before turning to the men at the ready with him. It will take them a few minutes to get ashore, and when they do, they will be timid. It has been proven that they can hurt us, but also proven that we can hurt them. Do not advance until you have my word. A cold wind rushed in from the sea, and Wesley looked up at the rustling branches of the hulking tree hanging over them. Especially you. The branches moved as if in answer, and he could have sworn he saw a glint of teeth in the moonlight as Ashlyn, camouflaged with the wood and leaves in her shifted form, gave him a wide grin. Inside homes that lined the edge of the village, men and women were armed and ready for the fight. Now that the time was truly upon them, fear was simply a word. Adrenaline ran through their veins and made them a little jumpy. Wesley knew he had the strongest of them all with him. He prayed they would remain calm enough to think rationally and not simply charge forward without thought. Someone was running up the wide path to the village, and everyone froze. Upon seeing it was Cavalon, a collective breath was let go. They're coming our way. How many? Suffice it to say that we're well matched in numbers. As they spoke, thick clouds rolled in overhead at an unnatural speed. The blazing light of the sinking sun was set to gray and then black. In a nervous motion, everyone looked around and Ashlyn moved within the tree. That can't be good. Dark shapes flew above in a whisper, this time indiscernible shapes. Dragons. Cavalon waited only a breath before running deeper into the village. Seconds later, chaos broke out. Riders were being flown into the village in droves, leaping from beasts blacker than pitch with crimson eyes. These men, jumping to the ground below, straightened to show nothing of themselves. There was no face among the black. All skin was hidden in clothing. Nearly everyone was caught off guard, and numbers were quickly lost. In the sky, the Volar were attacking the dark dragons with everything they had. Unlike the Gales, these shadowy dragons felt the pain of arrows and spears. When they were hurt, they fell, or disappeared into ash. Laidley stood on the beach for a long moment and just watched the madness. His long, red cape swirled behind him with a bitter wind swept in from the sea. Above, snow began to fall. Mixed in the snow was ash from the fallen black beasts. He looked like a little boy, lost. The picture of his sister turning into a dragon and then being assaulted and falling, playing over and over again in his mind. This was nothing like he envisioned. There was a certain ritual to war, rules that need to be followed. He turned to look at Merrick, enraged by the gleam in the older man's eyes. You... 
You could have killed her. Merrick gave no pause as he tore through one of Altain's villagers with his sword. A simple casualty of war. It is her fate to die. Startled, Laidley jumped back as a man was thrown out onto the sands, burns on his face and body that singed cloth and flesh. This is how I will win this war. Come out with your gales and your swords. Fly with your winged comrades and people of the earth. You cannot defeat me. No one can defeat me. In a crazed motion, Merrick drove his sword into the burned man's chest to ensure he was dead. The young king's eyes were wide. The man beside him was not someone with whom he was familiar. Lines that had been on his face were no longer there. The leg he'd favored slightly since his days as a young knight did not seem to bother him anymore. What have you done? But Merrick didn't hear him. He was watching with wicked glee as more dragons glided through the night with even more riders. What have you done? Finally hearing him, Merrick tore his gaze from above to look at Laidly. What have I done? Does it matter? You wanted to defeat the Gales, and so we shall. Not like this! Not with magic and, and, and demons! And not at the expense of my sister's life. She could have been saved. She is one of them. Merrick rounded on Laidley, his face wild and mad. Did you not see what she became? Your sister, indeed. A bastard child from a secret affair. She is one of the elementals you wanted to destroy. Be the king you wanted to be and get rid of them. You will fight. As he said this, Merrick took Laidley by the shoulders, and pressing his face close to his own, Laidley tensed in his grip, and the pained expression he'd worn twisted into a feral sneer. Letting Laidley go, Merrick threw his head back and laughed. He watched as Laidley drew his sword and walked up the beach preparing to enter the melee and join in the fight. Misuzu and Cavalon were back to back, Cavalon with a heavy two-handed broadsword, Misuzu with twin daggers. They were surrounded, but optimistic. It was not only men of Sadia that they faced, but also the men that belonged to Merrick. I was thinking, said Misuzu casually. She lunged low, swiping her daggers at the legs of one attacker. When this is all done and over with, I may stay here a while. Cavalon swung his heavy sword and met another, the metallic clash ringing into the night and mixing with similar sounds. Oh? He grunted, ramming his elbows into his assailant's ribcage. How do you think your mother will feel about that? The young knight punched Cavalon's stomach and got no reaction but a smile. Then he got Cavalon's fist to his face and met the ground. I think she'll be all right. Misuzu jumped to miss a leg swinging out to try and knock her off her feet. She kicked the man in the jaw and vaulted over his shoulders in a flip. As soon as her feet were on the ground, she spun and drove both daggers into his back. Cavalon turned, and Misuzu ducked so he could cut the head off another attacker. She's never home anyway. Misuzu finished yanking her daggers free. Duck! Cavalon bent and Misuzu rolled over his back. She drove her foot into the stomach of a knight, then spun in a graceful swoop to slice open his stomach. Now their circle of attackers was down to two. 
another knight, and a black assassin. Knight! Misuzu claimed she charged at him and he ran, leaving Kavlon alone in the crowd with a single dark enemy. Just you and me, pretty. Kavlon twirled his sword in one hand and the two men moved in a slow circle to size each other up. Both took a swing at one another, weapons hitting together so hard that there were sparks. Kavlon took a step back, trying not to let surprise show on his face. He spun, aiming a hit at his enemy's midsection, but found the other man completely gone. The Bedarian stumbled, having nothing to stop his momentum. He looked around, confused, and felt his feet being tugged downward. What the? A black-gloved hand was reaching up from the snow and ash-covered ground to pull him down by his leg. Kavalon couldn't break free no matter how hard he tried. A second hand reached up to grasp his sword, keeping him immobile unless he let go of the sword. He looked up to see Nuala overhead. She loosed an arrow, her aim true enough to shoot through both hands. The same screaming that was heard on the beach bubbled underground. Kavalon pulled his leg free, clumps of partially frozen ground coming up around him. More screams, furious, rang through the village. A quick look around showed him Kanaid struggling with her own attackers. Between them were multiple skirmishes. Thinking quickly, he looked up at Nuala. Can you lift me? She'd seen what he had, and nodded. With an arm through her bow, she flew low and took Kavalon's hand in her own. He used her like a swing and flung himself over the crowd to land right beside Kanaid. Since the black demons had taken his sword, he was forced to fight by hand. With Kanade using both a sword and a dagger, they had the enemy at bay in no time. Thanks. That is the second time you've saved my life. I thought that's what family did. Kanade smiled, something out of place among the dirt, blood, and bruising on her face. Family? Cavalon rolled his eyes. Don't go all mushy on me now. We're kind of in the middle of a war here. The tavern had been set up as a makeshift triage. Wounded came in and Emmeline worked with various other skilled healers to see to injuries. Whether it was the elvish spell of illusion on the building that was keeping Laidley's men away, or the grace of the giver, no one knew, but they were thankful nonetheless. Tasrin hadn't left Luela for more than a few minutes since she'd been brought in unresponsive and bleeding everywhere. While Emmeline worked on dressing some of the more personal wounds, the elf went to his unicorn. Sule was enraged, snorting with flared nostrils and stamping the ground. Tasserin swiftly examined his wounds. You are lucky, my friend. The elf ran a hand over the shallow cuts under the white fur, blood already dried at flagging. I do not know what is in your blood that drives this poison away, but you have my eternal thanks, as do the men and women you have spared today. A picture of Elos came to his mind, and Tasserin nodded. Time will tell. He was the last to be treated this morning, refusing to be healed until the others were. His stubbornness may cost him in the end. Tasserin. Emmeline was at the door and beckoning him to follow her. Tasserin nodded and ran a hand down the length of Sule's neck, then pressed their foreheads together. Go now. Find Ashlyn and protect her. If she should fall, all will be lost. Sule snorted and reared before running off into the night, and Tasserin hurried inside, 
and straight to Luela's cot. Her eyes were still closed, but the blood had been cleaned from her body. Emmeline came over with a small vial of dark liquid. I, I tried to wake her to give this to her, but she would not respond. I will try. He took the vial with a thankful smile for Emmeline. She touched his shoulder and moved on to be helpful elsewhere. When the water dragons responded well to the salve made from Noala's ground phoenix feathers, there was optimism that the poison would be eradicated. Then, when they had all gone mad, Tasserin turned to the only other thing he could think of that would work. Zule was not pleased with the idea, nor were any of the other unicorns, though once he explained that their single fallen kin in the surprise attack would simply turn to ash in the pyre anyway, permission was given. Tasserin was allowed to take blood, the thing unicorns were most hunted for, and mix an elixir. Once ingested, the water dragons slowly returned to themselves. Not one of them was free from shame and sorrow at the realization of what had happened. It was because of this guilt that they volunteered to be the first wave of the assault. Everyone knew what a high risk it was, but they wanted to make up for what had transpired. Looking at the vial now, Tasserin felt a lump in his throat. He had to remind himself that this blood, this healing blood that cured ailments nothing else would even touch, could be the only thing that would save some of them before the night was over. He ran fingers lightly over the cuts on Luela's face, anger turning his usually serene eyes cold. Laidly would not win. He would not triumph tonight over their lands, least of all over Luela. Luela. He spoke her name with gentle firmness, his hand at the back of her neck to lift her head slightly. Luela, I need you to open your eyes. She didn't respond and he tilted his head. Luela, open your eyes. I cannot help you if I do not see the beautiful blue of your eyes. Pain rippled over her face and her brows came together. Though her eyes didn't open, tears formed at the edge and ran down the sides of her face. She whimpered and turned away. Tasserin moved to sit on the cot beside her. He touched a cooling hand to her cheek and held her hand as she cried, leaning down to feather a kiss over her brow. <laughs> It burns. She pulled her hand free and covered her face. It hurts so much. I know, my love, I know. I have something that will take it away, but I need you to sit up so you can drink it. Still, she cried behind her hands. The gentleness was not working, and Tasserin knew he needed to be more stern to make her comply. It was for her own good. Luella, listen to me. I know you are in pain, but right now you need to sit up. I can take it all away, but you need to do as I'm telling you. For a moment it seemed as if she would simply lay there and cry. But eventually, Luella lowered her hands and opened her eyes. It was an instant regret for the elf, asking her to look at him. He had never seen so much pain in a gaze, and worked to push his anger down as he helped her sit up. Drink this. He whispered, putting the vial to her lips. She kept her eyes locked with his until the bitter, thick liquid touched her tongue. She started to sputter, and he jerked the vial away. You must drink it. There is no other way. She panted, fighting the stinging and searing all over her body, and took the elixir to drink it herself. Her eyes clenched shut, and she threw her head back to drain the vial. 
When it was done, she coughed in her hand. Tassarin took the empty bottle and put it aside, then moved closer and wrapped his arms around her. I was so afraid. If Cavalon had not stopped me, I would have been out there to shield you. It would have killed you. Fresh tears fell as she wound her arms around him. Everything is going to be all right. Just breathe. Sit here and breathe. I will stay for a little while, though I cannot stay for long. She lay back, and he brushed her tears away. Give it a few minutes, and you will feel well. I would wager you will feel well enough to be rightly angered and want to be out there yourself. I am sorry if I hurt you. The sudden change of subject had the elf blinking. Hurt me? You did not. Not now. She shook her head and raked a hand through her messy hair. I hurt you when I left with Cavalon. Tassarin looked down briefly. It was necessary. I see how much stronger you have grown and the confidence you have in yourself. I was being foolish. Never before have I cared for someone as I do you, and I let it get the best of me. If there is an apology needed, it should be coming from me. She wet her lips. Out on the beach, I thought. It felt like I was dying. And the only thing I could think of was how sorry it made me that I never told you that... that I love you. He looked at her, feeling her fingers intertwine with his. Luella looked at him searchingly. Did... did you hear me? I did. Tassarin blinked and took a breath, then another. I keep trying to find words to reply with. His gaze fell to their hands, hers looking so much darker than his in comparison. I love you, he told her, looking at her face. I loved you that first night. When we stayed up until dawn talking... She agreed with a small smile and a nod. She touching his face, he leaned forward, kissing her lips tenderly. For a moment, they held each other, faces close together. Nothing else needed to be said then. They just needed to be there with one another. It would have continued if a violent invasion of bloody images had not been thrust into Tassarin's mind. He sat up, touching his temple. What is it? I have to go. I need to help. How are you feeling? Ready to fight. <laughs>